The cemetery was mostly empty in the early afternoon, one Tuesday. Jeremy and his grandfather stood alone in front of a newly installed headstone. Upon its surface, Mingle was written in bold letters, with the name of Jeremy's deceased father underneath and the date of his passing, only a week ago. Grandfather put a hand on Jeremy's shoulder. Your father was a great salesman and networker, Jeremy. A man who could sell ice in the Arctic. We even buried him with his copy of How to Win Friends and Influence People. The boy turned to look up at his grandfather before he spoke. I was wondering what book that was resting on his chest. Jeremy gazed at the granite tombstone and his father's freshly dug grave plot, feeling wistful, but not quite sad. Together, Jeremy and his grandfather walked back to the car grandfather had taken to the funeral service that morning. Driving from out of town, grandfather had picked up Jeremy from his foster home before heading out for the service. Jeremy was now an orphan. His mother had passed on a few years before his father when he'd been only ten years old. Grandfather was a widower, as Jeremy's grandmother had died the previous year. She'd taken a fatal tumble down a flight of stairs in the family farmhouse, where she'd lived with Grandfather, some months after Jeremy's mother had been taken by cancer. The car sped along the highway for some time, then took an exit onto a two-lane road, traveling away from the city limits. You'll like living with me this summer, Jeremy, Grandfather said in an encouraging tone. When your Aunt Sally and her new husband return from overseas, you'll move in with them. Sally said she couldn't bear the thought of burdening me with a young boy in my old age. Here he shot Jeremy a wink. And you're her only nephew after all. Jeremy glanced over at Grandfather and said in a flat voice, Living in the country is going to be boring. He then looked out the window again, watching the houses become sparser and the buildings give way to livestock behind painted fences, rows of hay bales, and fields of crops. What you call boring, I call peace and quiet, Grandfather quipped. Our homestead is far from any neighbors, but there's plenty to do there. For example, help me with the chores. Jeremy glanced back at Grandfather this time saying nothing. Living with this old geezer is going to be pure hell, he thought. The surface of the single-path road leading past the solitary rusted mailbox was rough and pitted with potholes. The ill-kept road provided a bumpy ride over a low hill and then on to the farmhouse, which rested among open fields that extended for miles around the house. It was still afternoon when Jeremy and his grandfather finally pulled up in their sedan. Grandfather parked along the periphery of the house's semicircular gravel driveway, and Jeremy climbed out. He shut the car door and surveyed the land around him, a hand shielding his eyes from the bright sun which hung in a nearly cloudless sky. Past the empty fields were patches of leafy trees dotting the landscape, rolling green hills stretching into the distance, and a few decrepit buildings nearby, which may have originally been part of the farm's operation. The whitewashed farmhouse itself was at least a century old, but was well-maintained, 
at least compared to the other buildings, which were remarkable for their peeling wood siding and boarded windows. There were two floors to the farmhouse and, above, a peaked red roof. Even in the crisp daylight, though, the antiquated structure seemed strange and frightening, as if the house were somehow being held in the past, even as the world around it continued. I have your suitcase, Jeremy. You must like to travel light. Let's go inside and get something to eat. Grandfather walked up the steps to the farmhouse's front door, passing two varnished rocking chairs on the porch. The swinging door opened and then closed behind him. Grandfather placed down a plate piled with food and then sat across from Jeremy at the kitchen table. He began eating, looking across at Jeremy as he did so. Jeremy, you're not eating, Grandfather said, his statement more in order than an observation. Jeremy stared down at his plate and tried to identify the grayish mash heaped on it. What is this? Why, they're leftovers. Grandfather answered, shoveling another mouthful of mash onto his fork. And what were they before they were leftovers? Jeremy inquired, almost worried at this point. Well, Jeremy, they were leftovers to be. Grandfather said matter-of-factly. He continued eating, practically wolfing down his meal. Jeremy pushed the plate away and said, I'm not hungry right now. You can eat mine. Grandfather shrugged and said, Suit yourself. He reached across the table and put Jeremy's plate next to his own nearly empty one. I'm going upstairs to unpack and lie down for a bit. I'll be back downstairs in a few hours. Jeremy got up from the table, started to take the creaking stairway up to the bedroom floor, heading towards the room Grandfather had designated as his earlier in the day. As he reached the top of the staircase, Jeremy looked down into the kitchen below him. Grandfather locked eyes with Jeremy and grinned, the many creases on his face deepening as he did so. He heaped on yet more mash, shoveling it down with renewed vigor. Jeremy's room was small and cramped. It had probably been a guest room at one time, or maybe even his mother's room. There was no furniture other than a simple bed and a squat dresser for some clothes which was empty. Jeremy looked out the second floor window, saw Grandfather ambling across a field to one of the old buildings near the farmhouse, a tin bucket in his hand. The old man opened a side door and then disappeared inside the dilapidated building, closing the door behind him. The windows of the single-story structure were entirely boarded up, so Grandfather's activities were now inscrutable. Jeremy scanned the area around the farmhouse visible from his window. There was a stone well with a molding bucket dangling from a rope and rusted pulley not far from the front porch. It sat by itself in the open space near the fields, probably a relic from the farmhouse's early days. There was running water in the house's kitchen and bathroom, so the old well was likely dry now. Feeling a sudden pang of hunger... Jeremy placed a hand on his stomach as it grumbled audibly. He thought hopefully to himself, there must be something to eat other than that weird goop. He looked out the window again. Grandfather didn't appear to be coming back to the house. He must still be in that rickety building doing whatever. Jeremy decided to search the kitchen for anything remotely edible. The floorboards and stairs groaned, 
as Jeremy hurried into the deserted kitchen and opened its bulky refrigerator, an appliance from a bygone era. Alongside it was a large wooden cupboard built into the kitchen wall. He inspected the packed shelves, finding only sealed plastic containers full of the gray mush, a jar of dill pickles, and one stick of butter in a tray. How does Grandpa live on this stuff? We're going to have to do grocery shopping tomorrow, Jeremy decided. Bringing the jar of pickles to the kitchen table, he removed its lid with some effort and speared one with a fork, lifting it to munch hungrily on one end. From behind, Jeremy heard a slow creaking sound coming from the hanging cupboard above the kitchen countertop. He turned his head while still facing the table, and out of the corner of his eye saw the cupboard's door open. Still holding the impaled pickle, Jeremy turned and stood in front of the open cupboard. The interior was quite dark and surprisingly deep, extending further back into the kitchen walls than its contours would suggest. A shape shifted around in the shadows, huddling at the back. The thing breathed, the sound nasal and rasping. You must kill your grandfather, Jeremy. The creature spat in a sinister tone. He is planning on harming you tonight. You must push him down the well outside once you have the chance. Wide-eyed, Jeremy put a hand over his mouth and peered into the depths of the cupboard, trying to make out the creature. It seemed to be a hairless rodent of some sort, about the size of a large cat. It was too dark to see more than that. Jeremy stepped forward, more curious than afraid. Stop that! Don't look at me! The creature hissed. You must stay back! Jeremy froze and then stepped back toward the kitchen table, putting his fork down. What are you? He said cautiously. I am the rightful owner of this house. I can say no more than that. The creature pronounced, its voice grating. Now, close the cupboard door. Do not say a word to your grandfather about me. You ignore my warning at your peril. Not knowing what else to do, Jeremy shut the cupboard door, went back upstairs to sit on his bed. Was that real? Jeremy asked himself. It had to be. There's something genuinely off about this place and about Grandfather. Maybe that horrible thing is telling the truth. Jumping up from the bed, Jeremy peered once more out the window. He saw his grandfather walking back from the decrepit building, a bucket full of something hanging around his knee. The sun was beginning to set, its red glow lighting up the landscape around the farm. Jeremy heard the farmhouse's front door creak open, and the sound of a heavy bucket being put down somewhere in the house. Jeremy! Came his grandfather's voice. Come downstairs, join me on the porch. Let's watch the sunset together before it gets too late. 
The moon's white light entered through the curtainless window, allowing Jeremy to make out the outline of the dresser pushed up against the bedroom door. He lay very still on his bare mattress, waiting for Grandfather. After removing his clothes from its drawers, Jeremy had slowly pulled and pushed the weighty dresser to the door. He was almost certain he hadn't made much noise, at least not enough to alert Grandfather. Jeremy had then sat on the floor in the darkened room and knotted his bed sheets into a rope. This, in turn, was tied between the bars of the bed's frame brass headboard and could be thrown over the ledge of the window if Jeremy needed to escape. The light fixture on the ceiling above held no bulbs, its sockets empty. Jeremy felt the handy, club-like flashlight protruding from his pants pocket, the last present his father had given him before leaving this world so suddenly. Something Grandfather had said while the two sat on the farmhouse porch that evening had made Jeremy very afraid. He'd not been threatening, or outwardly malicious, rather. It was that he'd not known something, and had reacted so strangely when corrected. Life in the country is so much better, Jeremy. Why, if your mother were with us, she would tell you the same. Gertrude loved growing up in this house. Grandfather rocked back and forth in his chair, a halcyon smile on his face. A warm evening breeze drifted over the porch, yet Jeremy felt a sudden chill. Jeremy stopped rocking and looked at the old man quizzically. Gertrude was Grandma's name, Grandpa. Emma was my mother, your daughter. Are you all right? Of course. I just forgot. I'm an old man, Jeremy. Grandfather had stopped smiling. He was staring at Jeremy as he rocked back and forth in his chair, as if assessing whether Jeremy had believed his excuse. Was Grandfather some sort of imposter? Jeremy thought back to the bizarre creature and its warning, still not sure whether he'd really seen the thing. It happened so fast. Normally, he'd have assumed Grandfather was telling the truth. He was an old man, after all. But something about his peculiar reaction told Jeremy otherwise. Jeremy hadn't seen his grandfather for quite some time before his father's funeral that morning. In fact, the last time had been at Jeremy's grandmother's burial. The services had been held at a local church not far from the farmhouse. There was a shuffling noise outside the bedroom door. Jeremy put both feet on the floor, reached for the knotted bedsheets nearby. The bedroom doorknob twisted and rattled, the weight of the dresser preventing the door from opening. The door then shook as something slammed against it from outside, the dresser budging slightly from its spot. With enough force, Grandfather would soon get through. Jeremy moved quickly, unlatching the bedroom window and pushed its lower panel up to climb down the side of the farmhouse. He tested the bedsheet rope fastened to the bed's frame and then began to crawl over the sill. The attack on the bedroom door was very loud now, and Jeremy heard the sound of splintering wood just as he appeared over the window's ledge, gripping the taut bedsheets and dropping safely to the ground below. He ran through the fields towards the board of the building Grandfather had entered earlier. He glanced back as he ran, finding Grandfather climbing down the bedsheet rope, his hunched body glinting in the moonlight. Jeremy found the door to the battered barn-like structure unlocked and slipped inside. Very little moonlight entered through the gaps in the boards, sealed windows, and sagging roof. A dank, 
earthy smell permeated the place, but nothing blocked his way as he felt along the walls and then curled up in a tight corner. He had no idea what might be in there with him, but Jeremy was too scared to risk turning on his flashlight. Grandfather called out into the night. Jeremy, you can't escape from me. There's nowhere to run. There's nothing around here for miles, my boy. Jeremy realized that Grandfather's voice now sounded evil, just like the thing in the cupboard. Something wriggled across the top of Jeremy's hand as it lay pressed in the dirt. He cautiously turned on his flashlight, fearing the worst, but it was just a few dozen earthworms burrowing into the earthen floor. Jeremy arced the flashlight's beam across the length of the room, saw the entire space was teeming with thick, bloated earthworms. Thousands of them, writhing up in the freshly turned up soil. Feeling a rising sickness, Jeremy abruptly turned off the flashlight. He could hear his grandfather approaching. Something passed by outside, obstructing the moonlight filtering through the cracks in the wallboards. Grandfather was coming. He would soon reach the door in the barn. Jeremy dashed toward a patch of the barn wall where the moonlight was glimmering through the gaps. He felt around desperately, finally finding it, a loose board. He pushed it aside and squeezed through the opening, stepping out into the warm night. As Jeremy turned, his flashlight illuminated Grandfather's manic face. Crying out, Jeremy staggered back. His grandfather's eyes were inky pools of pitch black, inhuman, and otherworldly. Swinging low, Jeremy struck grandfather in the knee with his flashlight, bringing him down. Grandfather snarled, making halting attempts to stagger to his feet as Jeremy ran from him. The second farm building further out loomed ahead. Jeremy shut off his flashlight, hoping it would stop grandfather from finding him right away. This building was smaller than the barn. Its sole window boarded, with a swinging door clattering in the breeze. Jeremy burst in, shutting the door behind him, turned on his flashlight. A circular glyph was chalked in dark red at the center of the plank floor. Nearby were framed pictures of Jeremy's mother, along with some of her personal items, which rested on a kind of crude altar outside of the circle. Placed at the foot of the altar was a book bound in crimson leather, an ornate symbol on its cover. Jeremy opened the book. Its title was On the Mysteries and Rites Related to the Resuscitation of Those Past. Dated 1712. No author was given. Turning its pages, Jeremy was greeted by detailed, grotesque, illustrations of horrid beings, utterly alien to this world. Setting the book down, Jeremy searched the shed's tools for something he could use as a weapon, and found a solid metal rake. He directed his flashlight to the occult glyph on the floor, and noticed its chalk circle had been broken, somehow, smeared and now incomplete. Jeremy shut the flashlight off and eased open the shed door, Grasping the iron rake in both hands, he walked out into the nighttime fields, the full moon large overhead, 
and saw Grandfather's form in the distance. The old man appeared to be resting against the stone well near the farmhouse, apparently unaware that Jeremy had emerged from the shed. He limped stiffly around the well before beginning to lower its bucket into the depths of the shaft. The pulley squeaked to a halt, and Grandfather leaned over the well's edge, calling out in a strange tongue to something at the well's bottom. Dropping the rake as he ran, Jeremy leaped out of the darkness, pushing Grandfather headfirst into the well. The old man made a terrible piercing shriek as he plummeted down the long shaft. But no sound was heard once the figure vanished from Jeremy's sight. Even with a flashlight, the bottom of the well shaft wasn't visible. There was only darkness. Jeremy stumbled back to the farmhouse, emotionally drained and almost numb. The figure of a man stood in the moonlight on the steps of the front porch, his features not yet visible. The man did not move. He seemed to be waiting for Jeremy. Approaching cautiously, Jeremy pointed his flashlight into the figure's face. It was his grandfather. The old man smiled at Jeremy, holding his arms wide to embrace him. Jeremy ran to him. They hugged one another, neither saying a word. I hope Jeremy wasn't too much trouble, Aunt Sally said, placing her hand on Jeremy's head as she tousled his sandy hair. Grandfather gave her a warm smile. No, not at all. Jeremy was very helpful around the farm. We even dug up the barn's dirt floor and filled it back in. That's quite a project for just one old man and a boy. I'm glad he was able to help you out, Dad. Aunt Sally said. Especially now you're all alone out here. Jeremy will be starting school again soon, but we'll be back to see you at Christmas. Aunt Sally gave her father a final hug before leading Jeremy to her car. Her husband, who was waiting behind the wheel in the driver's seat, gave Grandfather an awkward wave. As Jeremy opened the car's back door, he turned to look at Grandfather, who remained standing on the steps of the farmhouse porch. The old man nodded to him, but said nothing, only watching as the car pulled away. Grandfather walked back inside the farmhouse, took a well-worn bowl from the kitchen's cupboard, placed it on the table. He opened the refrigerator, removed several pieces of raw meat from a thin, transparent wrap, putting them into the bowl. Grumbling something under his breath, he opened the low door to the farmhouse's cellar. He set the bowl of morsels at the top of the stairs, and then stepped back, watching closely. A small, clawed hand, withered and covered in loose gray skin, reached out from the lightless space. The hand snatched the scraps from the bowl, and then disappeared, receding back into darkness.